co-captain with Jackson. He then goes on to make out with Lydia after Styles asks him to find out if she likes him. Um, skipping forward, it is a full moon. Um, uh, Styles chains Scott to a radiator because one, he's trying to protect him. Two, he's trying to get back at him for uh, making out with Lydia, which unclear how he finds that out. Um, Allison and Jackson have a moment where he's like, you need someone to talk to. And then they like, mm. there's actually a lot that happens in this episode. Yeah. I was thinking, wow, nothing happened in this episode, but no, no, no. quite a lot. Okay. I'm assuming you'll get all of the things that I did not get. That is a very <laughs> scary assumption for you to make. Um, I don't know. I'm We're just... going to do this and then someone's going to comment on Twitter being like, uh, you missed this major plot point. <laughs> like we missed in the last episode where we just didn't talk about the Allison Scott breakup at all. No, we didn't. We also missed <laughs> pack stats. Yep. But that's what I think our wolf pack is for. Just to tell us what, what we got wrong. Yeah. Be like, um, excuse me. <laughs> anyway, are you ready? Physically? So, mentally. Spiritually. The answer is no to all, but I'll do it. <laughs> okay. I'll take that one for this team. Excellent. Even um, though it's my job and I yeah. have to. <laughs> and it is part of the format of the show. Yep. Okay. I'm ready in three, two, one. So Scott is really sad about bringing with Allison, so Styles takes him drinking, and we realize that Scott can't get drunk, but Styles is really drunk, and then they meet these people in the woods who get killed by presumably the Alpha, and then Scott wakes up and he tells his mom that he'll go back to school, but he really doesn't want to because it's after the whole thing in the school that happened, and then he sees Allison, and he has a panic attack while taking a test because he's really sad that she broke up with him, and then they start to realize that Scott is going crazy because it's a full moon, and then uh, Styles gets bumped up to uh, first line on the lacrosse team because Greenberg gave everybody pink eye <laughs> and then during lacrosse scott has like a, a full moon freak out and then hurts danny and then styles is mad at him for making out with lydia and then allison is like really spooked by scott's behavior so she has this like weird date kind of with jackson and meanwhile scott is going crazy from the full moon and styles is trying to find him because he get breaks free of his chains and then Derek finds him at the end and tells scott that if scott kills the alpha that bit him he will be able to turn back into a human because he doesn't want to be a werewolf anymore which is definitely a lie the end you had two seconds to spare. I'm very impressed. Thanks. I feel like you got a good... T- oh, you know what we forgot? What did we, we forgot about um, Allison's conversation with Kate. Mm. Neither of us mentioned that. So at some point in this episode, um, Allison lets loose to Kate that Scott has been hanging out with Derek. And inexplicably, that leads her to believe that Styles is the beta. Which is like, in what, what fucking world? What? 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 I don't understand. I don't understand a lot of this show, and that's why we have to sit down and talk about it. True. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this week, we watched this episode through the theme of jealousy. Yes. Um, There's a lot of that running rampant. This... I'm... Listen, I'm not comparing quality here, but this episode is a little bit like Shakespearean comedy, no? A little bit. There, it, you said earlier, off mic, that this really is a return to, like, the teen genre. And this, a lot of it has, like, a very Riverdale feel to it. And I promise that Ugh. I'm not going to bring it up so much. But anyway, it kind of does. Um, because there's just so much interpersonal drama between the core five. Sure. Yeah. So, whoever is a main character in this show kind of just depends on the episode. When you're not yeah. Scatter Styles. Yeah. Like, Allison is, like, not necessarily a main character in this episode, but Jackson kind of is. Or Lydia. Yeah, the girls kind of get sidelined a little bit. They're, Especially in season one. They're vehicles for the men's feelings. They anyway. Get, they get better. They do. Except for Erica, who gets fridged, which is, like, Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. I mean, maybe Gage Golightly just didn't want to be on the show anymore. I respect that. Yeah. If that is the case. But they didn't, they didn't even give her an on-screen death. No. Great hair. She doesn't have great hair. Does. <laughs> I don't think Kate Colightly <laughs> doesn't have good hair now. But I also don't know what she looks like. I'd have to check. Yeah. Um, so, jealousy. Jealousy. Wait, let's just get this out of the way at the beginning. So, the scene of Scott and Styles getting drunk. It's real awkward. They get interrupted by... These two people we have no context for, they are just, like, out in the woods. Yeah, they're just supposed to be, like, bad news. Yeah, bad news in the woods. But there, there's a white gentleman and there's a black gentleman. And I believe that the black gentleman is not only wearing, like, a do-rag, but then a hat on top of it. And then he is just 
a character of what a black man would talk like. Like, it is clearly dialogue written by white men for a black man to say. Um, it's uncomfy. Yeah, like, and they just, these two men just come up to Scott to drink his booze, basically. I'm sorry, there's a siren. One sec. lackluster siren. I know, I was kind of hoping for like a big <laughs> shebang, because yeah. we live so close to the station. But anyway, so these guys, with no real reason, come up and ask Scott, don't ask, they demand Scott and Styles share their liquor with them. Which is like, it, honestly listen, even people with bad intentions will just fucking leave you alone. <laughs> like, it's so weird, and the way he's dressed, the way he speaks, the fact that he lights a joint as they're walking away, it a all joint. <laughs> it is just deeply, deeply like it's a caricature of, of of like a of a black man who would be up to no good, and it is so deeply uncomfy. Yeah. It was hard to watch. I was just kind of like. It also prompts the worst line from Scott McCall in the history of Teen Wolf, which was "Give me the bottle of Jack." Just give me the bottle. Whatever, yeah. fine. But no, and then he added "of Jack," and you were like, "Oof." Oh God. Anyway, I just wanted to point out we don't have to touch too much on that, but it was just like we have mentioned the points of failed diversity in Teen Wolf, and we will continue. And to we were do going so. to continue to do that, but that was just one where I was like, "Oh, I'm uncomfy." Yeah. Icky. Made me feel gross. It's, it's not great. But I do want to talk about that scene a little bit more before we dig too much into the jealousy because I think that scene is sets up what all of the characters are going to be upset about throughout the episode. Yes. Also, it is a really important clue about the alpha uh, because one of the guys gets thrown in the fire and as we all know, I, there's a, someone listening to this who has, is watching Teen Wolf for the first time. I really hope that you've gotten to the point where you know that it's Peter and everyone has died in a fire. We so have mentioned so many, so many times that the Alpha is I Peter. know, I know, but I feel really bad. Um, so like we're getting more breadcrumbs about the Alpha in this scene as well. So it does a really good job of setting up like the stakes of the episode, but also like dropping in that hint because we don't see the Alpha mm-hmm. in this episode at all. I'm wrong that. hints that Peter's the Alpha. Yeah, Peter's the alpha. <laughs> yeah, no, and we do. We are starting to get pieces of what the alpha is, but also like in their conversation, we know that Scott is going to be thinking about Allison the entire episode. But we also know that Styles is going to be thinking about Lydia the entire episode. Yeah, because that's what his drunken thoughts bring him to. Is always talking about Lydia, which Styles mentions Lydia's height many times throughout this show. Many. I don't even know how tall you are. We live together. Yeah. I'm 5'7". Oh, cool. Yeah. Lydia's 5'3". I'm 5'8", I'm so I love being the tall roommate. I <laughs> <laughs> just have no response to that. Yeah. Anyway. Lydia <laughs> is smo. my short, short ass. <laughs> I'm not smo, though. No. No. But you're shorter than me, so I won. That's true. I'm 5'9", in Tim's. But we both wear Tim's all the time, so that doesn't change our height. Doesn't matter at all. Yeah, no, but it does just kind of, you're just kind of like, wow, Styles really likes that girl. And we find out later that he's been in love with her since the third grade, which I think is a really sweet detail. Yeah. Um, And also cements the fact that these people have been going to school together forever. Forever, yeah. Which justifies the bond that they all have, even though a lot of them don't hang out with each other on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, that's even one of those things where, like, at the last episode, Scott refers to Jackson as being in his pack. Oh, which is just so weirdly sweet. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I also, I mentioned this to Julia, just, like, on observation. I kind of love when characters, like, can't get drunk anymore because of their <laughs> superhero because... It does. It is so funny how that is kind of like an earthly pleasure that you can no longer have when you're super like. Which except sucks. for Thor. Except for Thor, you can clearly get wasted. Um, yeah. So, jealousy, jealousy, and what it does to you. Um, what do we want to talk about first? Crazy. What do we think is like the biggest? Um, either act of jealousy or act of inspiring jealousy. 
Definitely the fact that Scott makes out with Lydia. When... So the whole thing is that Styles gets promoted to first line um, in a really great bit by Coach, who uh, calls him Belinsky, clearly in an effort to fuck with him because we all know he knows who Styles is. Um, and like high on that promotion, mm-hmm. Styles is like, oh, I gotta act on this because I'm first line on the lacrosse team now. Like, does Lydia like me? Which is super interesting because, as far as we know, like Lydia and Jackson are still together. So he just decides that like now is the time. To find out. And Scott goes on and initially asks if Allison still likes him, which is not what Styles asked for at all. And they end up making out. And Jackson notices that there's something wrong with Lydia's lip gloss, which, as you pointed out, um, is in no way messed up enough to indicate that she was making out with someone. But then Styles, or maybe it isn't. She's just not wearing a very dark shade. Maybe, maybe if you like got really close. If to she her, was in like Taylor Swift red and it was like smushed, I'd be like, "All right, lady, get it." But like, Damn. it was like just gloss. Yeah, and Styles overhears that, and that is kind of what leads to this central conflict of the episode, where Styles chains Scott to a radiator to save him, though to save him, but also. You know, at one point he brings him a dog bowl, which the level of petty to go out and procure a dog bowl when neither of them have a dog and then spell out Scott in like really intense Sharpie. I live for that. We stand a petty king. We really do. Um, What's amazing about that instance is that it spawns almost all of the jealousy seen in the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. Lydia is trying to incite jealousy. She wants to get back at Jackson for him being kind of a tool for the last couple of episodes, specifically to her. And he obviously doesn't notice or care. Mm-hmm. Which just makes her feel even worse. Yeah. Or he does. I think Jackson does kind of notice. Wait, did you not have, like, a couple in your high school who just, like, constantly cheated on her and each other but, like, stayed together? Probably. Okay. I just didn't know about that. Well, there was, like, notoriously a couple in my high school. So they might be a little bit like that, where it's like... At the end of the day, you're still mine or whatever. But I think he does notice that. You know, Jackson, we know, is like a like superfluous kind of ding-dong, but like is smart enough and cunning enough to figure out what it means. And I think that's why he goes. I also almost wonder if he followed Allison to the sports store. Because he says he's there with Danny's helmet, but he stares at her for a really long time before she notices. He does. Also, it's kind of unclear what he's doing with Danny's helmet, because I, as far as I know, his helmet's fine. Like, his face is just bashed up. Yeah. So, unclear. Hmm. Hmm. But back to the kiss. It also, it makes Styles jealous of Scott, and also, like, Scott is doing it in a weird way to get back at Allison, and obviously Scott spends this entire episode, you know, going through, like, Lunar psychosis. A lunatic, if you will. Uh, I thought that they mentioned that, like, very specifically. Or am I just crazy? What? If they mention where the term lunatic comes from. I think that does happen in Team Wolf. I do not know if it happened in this episode. It didn't happen in this episode, but when is my question. Please please continue, because I really thought it happened in this episode. No, but we do hear Melissa's comments on how the ER gets crazy on full moons. Dude, the full moon is no joke. I was telling you about this while we were watching the episode that I used to work in a classroom, and every day that we had a really crazy day, we were like, hmm, I wonder if it's a full moon, and it either was a full moon or about to be a full moon. Mm -hmm. People go nuts. Yeah. It's wild. Yes. That has nothing to do with jealousy. I just wanted to share. That's okay. I I enjoy you sharing. What if we get a comment one day that's like, no more personal anecdotes. (laughs) That's not why we come to these podcasts. I come to podcasts for the personal anecdotes. Oh, sure. I want to hear exactly like when you watched Labyrinth for the first time and what that meant to your sexual awakening. Like, please tell me. That felt specific to you. (laughs) Me and also over-invested. Ah, yes. Because every every girl who, like, watched Labyrinth around the age of 12 knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's what's up. Yeah. We stay in the Overinvested podcast. We really do. Go check them out. Yeah, if you guys are looking for a feminist film podcast that's not just waiting for our bonus episodes, uh, the Overinvested. They're, they're great. 
They are wonderful. Back to jealousy. Mm-hmm. Back to Teen Wolf, which is what we're actually <laughs> talking about. Um, what do you think is dramatically the most interesting instance of jealousy in this episode? I, I really think that it's Styles' reaction to finding out that Scott has made out with Lydia. Because he's so codependent on Scott. Oh, deeply. And, like, there's this part where he walks into the house. And, first of all, I don't understand why Melissa hasn't just given him a key at this point. But he's like, yeah, I had a key. I, like, had one made so that I can get into the house and see my best friend whenever I want. Because Styles has nothing else in his life going on. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, such a deep betrayal when you are in high school and that's also a thing that like sitcoms play on a lot where like if you need to manufacture a conflict between two characters who have known each other for a long time it's always like I kissed so and so in high school even though I knew you were in love with them like yeah that's such a recognizable thing and the fact a trope yeah thank you (laughs) that's the word I meant that I was looking for and the fact that Styles is struggling through this intense jealousy and anger and still goes over to help Scott not murder anyone specifically his dad I think yeah um but like takes this perverse pleasure in chaining Scott to the radiator and everything else that he does and then later when Scott is like crying out you see on Styles's face how much pain he is in because his friend is in pain but his friend caused him pain like it's just uh a plus masterclass in acting by Dylan O'Brien. He truly is the, show. the Teen Wolf King. On the back. I do want to mention that this all happens after Styles um, helps Scott recover from a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And in a moment of like deep vulnerability, he says, like, I know what's happening to you because I used to get them all the time after my mom died. And it's one of those things where it's like, Scott and Styles have known each other their entire lives, so how much of that was he hiding from Scott because it was shameful? Yeah. To only tell him now when Scott is going through it as well is really heartbreaking, you know? It is really heartbreaking. I have a hard time believing that that never happened when the two of them were together. I do too, but, but that's just how what's set it up. Yeah. Or, you know, even to say, like, Scott didn't know what was happening to Styles at that time because they were, however, I think Styles' mom dies when he's 12? 10, I think. 10. Yeah, that's really young. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a huge reason why their bond is so strong. Trauma bond. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, like, Styles is there for him because he knows kind of what he's going through. He has very little sympathy for that. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I, I understand that you're in pain and I know what that feels like. Yeah, which I think is in a lot of instances is, like, a big component of most deep friendships is Mm -hmm. I know I don't know exactly how you're feeling but I can relate and therefore we'll take care of you through it yeah because that's what love sometimes has to be Mm -hmm. they love each other they love each other and that's what I think is so compelling about it because jealousy often serves to break people apart and fracture structures that you feel really safe about in shows and even that has nothing on Scott and Styles. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it does really hurt Styles, as we say. But it doesn't do anything to, like, permanently fracture or damage their no, friendship. No, and Styles still feels such a deep obligation to him that mm-hmm. even though he does it in a not very gentle way, he still fulfills his promise to take care of Scott during the full moon. Yeah. Oh, it's just so, <laughs> so emotional. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. They are such a good example of male friendship in media because most of the time it's just, like, dudes who don't talk to each other and if they do it's a thing like it's so non-toxic okay there's an episode of new girl that i think about all the time where schmidt buys nick a cookie and like nick cannot understand why schmidt is doing this for him and schmidt's like it's because i love you and i care about you and i think about you when i go about my daily life and nick like finally gets there in understanding that and he like brings schmidt a cookie but like that's just so unspoken between scott and styles like, it's so funny that you went to New Girl because I was thinking of like Kirk and Spock, where like Kirk, where Spock doesn't understand why Kirk Kirk broke the rules for him in uh, oh, in the darkness. And oh. says, because you were my friend. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. No, that's another great example. I just think that New Girl is a really I mean, Into Darkness is a garbage movie. <laughs> but also, that's, like, from the original like, Yeah, that's movies. from, that's from yeah. Um, Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I just think that New Girl's also a great example of, like, male friendships on TV, and so I'll probably bring it up a lot, but... Yeah, that's um, fair. Especially because, the, as we mentioned earlier, like, the first couple seasons are so boy-heavy. Yeah, they really are. And it relies... I mean, if Scott and Styles don't work, the show doesn't work. And if Dylan O'Brien and Tyler Posey don't work, it doesn't work. No. So... And when Scott and Styles are not working, the show is garbage. <laughs> Season five! I'm talking about you. It's so like, Guys, we're gonna oh. hate every freaking minute of season five. Actually, the episodes will probably be insanely funny because I do feel like we're funnier when we hate the episode. Yeah. I thought I didn't like this episode more than I... Like, I thought I didn't like this episode, but actually, I kind of did. I don't think I... Re- well, I was telling you that this was... When we got done with night school, I didn't know what was next. Mm-hmm. Like, this skipped. But actually, rewatching it, I was very entertained. I think this sets up a lot... Of what is coming next. It's not a filler episode because you get really important plot points. No. But it is a lot of exposition. Last episode was a filler episode. Yeah. Ugh. God. Um, Who's ready for season two? <laughs> I always think that I, like, love season one. And I do, obviously, nostalgically. Um, Objectively, it is not great television. No. It's fun. Objectively. Is any of it great television? <laughs> season three... Just kiss, yeah. But, like... Yeah. Yeah. Alright, you're right. You're right. Um... Yes. I was wondering if you had anything to add on the jealousy theme. Or anything that you wanted to dive into that I've not mentioned. I do want to talk about Jackson and Allison. Jallison. As we learned, (laughs) they have a ship name. We did not know that prior to having to do our research for this. Ugh, research. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. Um, oh, no, no, we have to go on the Teen Wolf wiki. Worst part of my day. Uh, yeah, I just, it is interesting, one, that they even have people who are like, ah, I like this relationship, because I look at it and I'm like, Ugh. Both of you are putting your eggs in the wrong basket here. It feels so manipulative on Jackson's part, because he knows that Allison is really vulnerable. Yeah. And also that she's really nice, and she'll talk to him. Yeah. Because men prey on you when you are nice. I hope that you all know that. Ladies. Ladies. Watch out for yourself. Well, I drew this comparison earlier. Um, for anybody who's never seen the movie Juno, do, because I love it. But in the movie Juno, it is about a, an older man who... I, the, it's weird, because the plot... If you, I describe the plot of Juno to you, you wouldn't see this. But it is... If, if there's a part of, an aspect of the movie where it is about an older man taking advantage emotionally of a 16-year-old girl. And the way that they film this, um, which I was mentioned in an interview by Jason Bateman, is that they filmed every scene in two ways. One, to try to play Mark as the loneliest man on planet Earth and like just somebody who has nowhere to put his feelings. And the other is as, as, like, a manipulative, creepy asshole. And when you combine those two, you get that character. And that's actually how you get most men like that, is people you end up kind of sympathizing with because you can see that they're lonely, but then who take advantage of you, which is what we get with Jackson and Allison. That's why Jackson is so hard to like. Because you can tell that he, there's something clearly missing, but he doesn't know how to fix it, and nor does he care. Mm-mm. So... The way that that comes out is him trying to manipulate the people who are kind to him. Yeah. Um, like, I have a huge question as to why Allison... No, I'm sorry. Jallison is really what's on my mind here. Like, why are Jackson and Danny best friends? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Because we don't really get a backstory there. And no. Danny is just such a kind human being. Um, they even say, when Scott hurts him, how could you do that? Everyone loves Danny. Yeah. And maybe Danny does see that part of Jackson where something is missing and is going to be less, you know, is going to be less manipulated um, by him because he is a man in Jackson's life. Um, I mean, I have a feeling that if we got a backstory about the two of them, it would be like, oh, I like skinned my knee on the playground in kindergarten and Jackson was the one who brought me a band-aid. Like something like that that bonds you together. Yeah. I don't think kindergartners give each other band-aids. No, I don't even think they're allowed to do that. <laughs> no, they're really not. But that's kind of the weirdest <laughs> no, but example. It, it would have been like a, you know, coming to the rescue moment when they're really little and then they have that forever. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't really know that. So, like, 
there are a lot of things that the writers could have done to make Jackson a more likable character or like a more a character that's easier to empathize with and they don't no a little bit in season two yeah um but then I mean he ended up leaving the show before I think we got the Jackson redemption arc that we probably deserved yeah I would have been there I would have been I would have been you would have I yes you know when you're like I'm here for this it just sounds strange where you're like I would have been here for yes no I totally would have been there for a Jack I mean I obviously think I I don't like Jackson as a person I think he's a dildo but like to have I understand why he is a complex character and that's Mm -hmm. why I think he's interesting to watch but his relationship with Allison and especially in this episode and some coming episodes and previous episodes is very interesting to me because she I think Allison is a smart enough cookie to realize when she's being manipulated because she's suspicious of Jackson and is really willing to cut Scott out of her life after like Something she just doesn't understand, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think she does feel, like, emotionally fulfilled by their interactions in a way that keeps her coming back. And also she is trying to get back at Scott in certain ways, and I think that that seems like a really good way to do it because she knows that there's tension between them. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the fact that when Allison and Jackson are in the car and they're having a discussion about what went down at the school... And Allison is talking to Jackson about how her family is lying to her and he's describing what he saw at the school. Jackson and Lydia both had that experience like at the blockbuster, um, but Lydia won't talk about it. And I think that Jackson is looking to talk to someone about it and he knows that Allison will. Yes. To which I say, men, get a therapist. Get, Get a therapist. Actually, do you want to know why I think Lydia doesn't want to talk about it? She goes to therapy. And she talks about it with her therapist. Does she? She mentions, like, who's going to pay for all of my therapy. Oh, true. In the beginning of the episode. Ah, yes. I think Lydia Martin sees the value of therapy, at least now, because later on she certainly does not. But... Well, no, because the, the season five tries to make you think that it's 1960. Yeah. Which is... In oh. The mental health... Obviously, like, mental health institutions are not peak performance or like even you know no but they're not like that but it's not girl interrupted (laughs) yeah have you ever read girl interrupted no but i've seen the movie you should read the memoir i probably would enjoy it a lot more than the movie yeah i love winona Ryder. i just it's not my fave no but i mean when you're reading it as personal account it's very different oh i'm sure yeah the movie felt weirdly exploitative yeah Book recommendation, girl interrupted. <laughs> if you want book inter- book recommendations, we have a bajillion. Should we do a book club? <gasps> Everybody read Bear Town. So good. So good. I love that that's the one you recommended because I... You haven't read The Idiot yet, so you don't know how good it is, but no, I No, I know, but there's so many books that we have both read, like... Everyone read The Virgin Suicides. <gasps> yes, read The Virgin Suicides. Um, um, Teen Wolf, yes. Do you have any... Um, thoughts on Lydia in this episode because we haven't really we've talked about her in theory and her supposed therapy attendance I think that this is just kind of the beginning of Lydia's increased attempts to get Jackson to pay attention to her and I think she's mad at Allison but won't admit it because Lydia's so smart and she sees that Allison and Jackson are getting closer by these experiences and her thought when Scott approaches her is well I'm gonna take advantage of this moment and make out with him even though my best friend is in love with him which makes me sad yeah and so much of of Lydia I mean Lydia's kind of interpersonal arc in season two is kind of clinging to her crumbling relationship with Jackson Mm mm-hmm her actual arc is, like, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, the, when, you know, the whole idea that she keeps his key in season two. Oh, that is so heartbreaking. She is so in love with this boy, you know? And even, and we, we later in season five, she's like, oh, I knew he was gay or whatever, but, like... That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it... I don't even necessarily think that this love has to be inherently, like, sexual or, sexual or romantic. Mm-hmm. She loves him because she loves him. Yeah. Well, the thing that makes me even more sad about her actions is that 
we're well aware that Lydia has subjects, Queen Lydia, yeah. and she doesn't really have any friends. And Lydia, the Allison, seems to be the first girl that she decides to kind of let her guard down a little bit and like invite Allison into her clique, not as a subject, but as a friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they are best friends. Maybe not at this point, but, like, later on, certainly. And she clearly feels like a deep kinship with Allison. And the fact that she's willing to sabotage that because she's letting her own feelings of jealousy get in the way is so upsetting. Yeah. It's so sad. And you have to think about what she also feels having watched Allison comfort Jackson all through the last episode when Jackson was being, like, a total asshole to her. Mm -hmm. And she basically watched Allison pick him. Yeah. Bad girl code. Yeah. Allison's not following the girl code. The girl code. Which, like, girl code and maybe bro code is actually just, like, follow the rules of human decency. And yeah. she broke that, you know? She like, really did. And I, I mean, I'm sure that Lydia feels betrayed by that. Because yeah. Allison's her friend. Yeah. Not Jackson's. No. So it's really, it, like, it makes me really sad. I know. Hmm. But also, I really, again, this show is so, I mean, this episode is written by a woman, but the show is so clearly run by men. Yeah, because that's very much subtextual. We don't get a lot from Lydia in this episode, no. and I think that Holland Roden is doing her best. Yeah. I also just think that, like, in the real world, Allison and Lydia would sit down and be like, Lydia would be like, I'm having these troubles with Jackson, and, and Allison would think to herself, well, I have to... Be mean to Jackson. Yeah. That's how girls are. Where you're like, my boyfriend's a dick. And you're like, your boyfriend is a dick. And then you get drunk and cry about it in the bathroom. Yeah. That's just girl girl life. It's like one of the... That's definitely girl life in your early 20s, I mean. Not necessarily girl life then or later, but... I feel like this is a Grey's Anatomy's quote, but it's like, your bullshit is my bullshit. Yeah. Ugh. Allison's just breaking girl code. And then Lydia goes and breaks girl code also... By yeah. making out with Scott. But anyway. And maybe that's a bigger offense of breaking girl code. But we all know that Lydia doesn't know how to process her emotions no. well at all. Hence why I hope she's actually in therapy. Yeah. Someone had to give her those pills. True. So she sees a psychiatrist because no random doctor is going to prescribe you clonopin. <laughs> Be like, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it's, it's all very intricate. Um, I think... We've kind of wrapped up our discussion on jealousy, but I do want to talk about the parents in this episode before we move on to questions and Mm. observations. Yeah. Let's start with Melissa. Melissa is the MVP. She is so great. And Scott just kind of tells her to fuck off. And it, ugh. It's heartbreaking. He's going through this breakup and she basically is like, remember... I'm divorced. Like, I know exactly what it feels like to go through the worst type of breakup. And he's just like, screw you, mom. I'm going to get her back. Which is, like, such a douchey thing to say. Yeah, also just, like, you don't own her. Yeah. But also, like, full moon psychoses. Yeah. And she, I mean, I feel like she's trying so hard. And in general, they seem to have a really good relationship. And I know, I mean, I've said lots of regrettable things to my parents as a teenager. But it just, like, watching it as an adult, I feel like when you're a teenager, you can so empathize with Scott and be like, yeah, but now as an adult... I'm going to try to dig back to my like teenage <laughs> self watching this. I think she would have also been mad. Probably. But I think it's harder to watch it as an adult yeah. and watch Scott be that rude to his mom. Because I'm just like, how dare you? How dare you? She's raising you single-handedly. And doing a fantastic job. True. And it's so funny when she's like, Scott, do you want to stay home an extra day? My mom would (laughs) never. She'd be like, get your ass out of bed. I don't care about your feelings. Go the fuck to school. (laughs) Which, I'm not going to say that one's right and one's wrong. No, but here's the thing. I kind of think my mom would have been right in that situation. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think she's being a little bit of an enabler. Yeah. Melissa, not your mom. No, no. Um. I I think my mom would be like, go face your fears. (laughs) You would like to pretend that you're grown up. Time to go be grown up. And I'd be like, you know what, mom? You're right. Scoochy scooch. Yep. Um, Yeah. There's a really, there's a moment in the episode where, um, Styles is talking to his dad and he's like, you need to be careful, especially tonight. And that's just another example of like Styles being the best friend on the universe planet. I don't know what I just said, but um like wherever we are. Wherever we are. Time and space. 
spinning around out there. Like, he is so desperately trying to protect his dad and not out Scott. The whistling is our radiator. <laughs> yeah, if you can hear that, sorry, the radiator's yelling. <laughs> we are apologizing for a lot of noises, but we live in a city and we live in an old building and there's nothing we can do about it. We're going to be like, rent studio space. <laughs> you could pay for that wolf pack. <laughs> Uh, this is, I am paying rent in the, on this apartment, so, so I am renting studio space. <laughs> Real. Yeah. Um, yeah, that moment really gets me. And also, I, I've said this to you, and I've said this to many people many, many times, but I think among the many downfalls of teen shows is teens not letting their parents in on what's going on. And obviously, we have to wait for a little, a little bit to let that happen on Teen Wolf. But the parents get so much more interesting when they know what's going on and you, like, know that there's the potential there because Lyndon Ashby. Ugh. <laughs> I love Lyndon Ashby. I do. Hottie with a body. Also. Hottie with a dad body. Yeah. <laughs> All bodies are good bodies. <laughs> I'm being ashamed. <laughs> or did you just try to be like, hey, body positivity didn't mean while we're objectifying some man? <laughs> Two things can be true. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I want to. I do want to talk about Lyndon Ashby. Um, well, I want to talk about Styles and his like level of protection over his dad. Which at this point, Weezy Styles is so much more protective over his dad than Scott really is of his mom yet. Like we haven't seen any instance where Scott's like. No, I have to work so hard to take care of my mom, which comes in later. And I think part of this is because Styles, that's his last parent. Like, Scott has a shitty dad, but there's still, like, a dad somewhere in the universe, San Francisco specifically, <laughs> for him. But, like, Styles, that is his, like, last thing left to lose. Well, and his dad also regularly puts himself in harm's way. True. And so I can't, God, I can't imagine that, like, being your only parent who works an incredibly dangerous job. Yes. That you cannot protect them from. Although, how dangerous was it before the werewolves showed up? <laughs> He's a small town cop. He is, but, like... He's also not, like, a beat cop. Like, he just, like... No, he's yeah. the sheriff. But yeah. I think, still, there's that understanding that people who are in positions of power are more likely to be targeted. Um, it's really touching, and... God, Scott, Styles just has so many balls in the air that he is trying to juggle, and one of them's his dad, one of them's Scott, one of them is, like, his own personal life. Oh, it's just so frustrating. It just feels like, like, in kind of both ways, it feels like neither Scott or Styles could ever catch a break. Mm-hmm. But, but then Team Wolf wouldn't be interesting. Yeah. But sometimes I am like, can we just watch them go to the beach or something? That's where Riverdale succeeds. Shut up. <laughs> My life's goal is to get you to watch Riverdale. I tried. I tried and I physically couldn't. And my threshold for bad television is, as we know, <laughs> very <high>. so high. <laughs> it's true. It's just, oh man. Um, the other parents that we have to talk about in this Wait, before we get to their parents, oh, wait, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Adult. Oh, okay. Mr. Harris... Why are you an educator? You hate children except for Jackson in a weird way. He seems like he's just the worst version of Snape. And he's like, whatever year one of you forgets to put your names on my test, and it makes me question why I ever went into teaching. If that's what's making you question why you ever went into teaching, dude, you shouldn't be a teacher. You know what really, like, especially upsets me about Mr. Harris? Huh? His glasses are terrible. <laughs> they make him look so much more evil. Yeah. If he weren't wearing those glasses and if he, like, messed his hair up a little bit, he'd look normal. Mm -hmm. But no. No. You're really... They really try to psych you out to be like, oh, Mr. Harris is up to something. And then he never he is. He never is. All of that evil energy <laughs> wasted. Waste. Yeah. Oh, the poor actor. <laughs> On the other end, Coach Finstock is chaotic, but he does love those kids. Like, truly chaotic. Truly chaotic, but also a lot of love in his heart for... Belinsky. For Belinsky, yeah. <laughs> the, there is, and I've never noticed this before, uh, even though I've seen this episode twice, if you look really closely at Orny Adams, when he, like, looks down at the paper to finally say the name, you can, like, the smallest smile before he says Belinsky. Like, it's just, ooh, it's so good. good. And if, even if, okay, even if that's not a choice and it's just an actor break, excellent that they, excellent. they kept it in. Yeah. So good. It adds so much. Yeah. It reminds me of once. 
in class, once in, in one of my movement classes, my professor um, was reading off the attendance sheet and got to my name and said Dostoevsky <laughs> and called me that all class. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, we were having a funny moment. Like, you picked me out to just kind of poke fun at me for a little bit, but it was like out of kind of love. <laughs> Oh, this is Malcolm. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's Malcolm, right? Yeah, I had this really crazy movement professor in school. Um, Yeah, he was my favorite. But yeah, for a full class of movement one, he called me Dostoevsky. That's so on brand. Yeah. Um, But it it was both to make fun of me and make my classmates make fun of me, but also like a quick elbow, like just you in particular today, which Mm -hmm. is why... Hey, coach does that. Yeah. So you have evil teachers who are only parental figures to Jackson for some reason because, again, he is the worst iteration of Snape, who I hate anyway. Yeah. And then you have Hagrid, who is Coach Moonstock. What an excellent comparison. Yeah, no one... I hope no one is under the impression that we are Snape apologists on no. this podcast. We hate him. We hate him. Um, okay, yeah. Allison's parents. Allison's parents and aunt yeah it's hard to think of her she's just kate yeah she's also yeah. just like a weird sister friend yeah sister cousin like sister cousin. <laughs> <laughs> not you know the west virginia way sorry to the people of west virginia that was super elitist but it's just a, it's a, a thing that anyway um her mom is just so evil and look, I am all about evil women. Like I love a villainess. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean, I think Kate is just so abhorrent that like I can't love her. But I typically love a villainess. But Allison's mom, Mrs. Argent, what's her name? I literally don't know. <laughs> it's something really dumb. Um, I'm gonna look it up while I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> She's just so mean. She's not only mean, she is written so poorly. that She's given so little attention. Victoria. It's not a dumb name. <laughs> of course anyway. it's Victoria, though, you know. Yeah. Um, she is written so poorly, like, given so little attention to, that she is just kind of a character that comments on the idea of an evil, hard-ass woman. Instead of just being an evil, hard-ass woman, like, it is so much so that, like, she delivers all of her lines really harshly. And this is, like, I think she's operating on what the script is giving her. I'm not making a comment on her acting or whatever. Mm-hmm. That nothing is... It feels like none of those are earned. Because oh, yeah. they're not written in a way to be earned. And she's horrible. To the point where I'm like, why does Chris like her? Oh, 100%. And in the scene where... Spoiler season two, where she kills himself... Your heart breaks for him as he holds her mm-hmm. and stuff because you know that he really does love her, but I don't know why. Yeah, you don't know why, and you don't feel bad for her at all. Well, no, she did almost <laughs> just kill Scott in that moment. True. Um, there's a scene that does not come up in this episode, but it's in an episode that's upcoming, which I think is a great example of this because it. I don't remember when EZA came out, but you know that scene where um, what's her name? Patricia Clarkson. No, Amanda. Vines. Yep. Amanda Vines is sitting there sharpening pencils, like, yeah. really aggressively. But Mrs. Argent does that also in one of the uh, episodes in either this season or the second season. And, like, where you know that Amanda Vines' character is really evil but, like, wears a lot of paint. But, like, the way that she is sharpening the pencils and, like, looking at Emma Stone, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> She's going to stab Emma Stone <laughs> with one of those pencils. And, like, when Victoria Argent does it, you're just like... you're like that's performative yeah everything she does is performative and it's written that way which is sad I thought you were going to talk about the mom in EZA which is why I said Patricia Clarkson because if there were parents that I would want to be not my parents yeah I mean, watch parents, par- TV parents, parents were not your parents. who are not my parents, who I want to be my parents, it would be Patricia Clarkson and, and Stanley Tucci. A hundred percent. No, I, would, I just always think about that pencil sharpening scene because Victoria Argent does it also in Teen Wolf, and it's just so much more effective in Easy A. Like, it's also <laughs> absurd and Easy A is a comedy. That's true. But yeah. I just, I mean, I think that's a really good example of yeah. like, you know, you can make evil what is happening with the creator. <laughs> I don't know. You, you can make someone evil without making them, like, a caricature of evilness. Which is what she is. And now, just want to comment on... 
Like, and I think Kate is evil without being commenting on being evil. You know, she's just evil and irredeemably evil. You know, she doesn't get a redemption arc like Peter kind of does. Yeah, and she's like hot evil. Yeah, but she's also like, she has these interactions with Allison where you're like, oh no, I see exactly how Allison bought into this. I know exactly how she got sucked in. I know exactly how Derek got sucked in. Mm-hmm. Because she's charming, kind of, when she's not, you know, she's charming. She's a great genocide. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's, like, funny and, like, witty and, like, kind of, like, a mean girl, but in the way where you're, like, oh, I'd want to, you know, grab a beer with this woman. Mm -hmm. Um, But then is evil. But, like, we don't get any of that from Victoria. And then, on the other hand, we have Chris, who is not a, not, like, he's not a hard ass in the way that Victoria is, but he doesn't offer enough balance in his personality. He's very serious. Yeah. and He's stony. Once again, when the parents get more to do and we learn more about who they are as people, they become much more interesting. And I think that Chris certainly falls under that category. Mm-hmm. But for now, all that we've seen of him is just as a man who's very serious and he takes the code very seriously. And he is like, he's a general. Yeah. And he's in charge of his troops and that's something he takes very seriously. And he's just trying to like make a better world and a better life for his wife and daughter. And like... Yeah. That's very admirable, but he is so in the wrong and can't see it. Yeah. And it's funny because we see this big... I mean, Chris has a redemption arc kind of anyway, but his kind of last act on the show for a while before he comes back is adopting Isaac. Which is so... Oh, it's so hard to talk about because it's, like, very emotional. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he um, physically signs the papers, but he, no. he takes care of him and sends him to school and brings him to Europe and, like, gives him a life away from all of his traumas, you know? But I don't see Victoria ever doing that. Like, no. there was no space for Victoria to grow, due mostly to the writing of men being like, how do evil women behave? Let me tell you how evil, evil women behave. The same as not evil women, and that's why it's terrifying. That's why it's scary. That's why Kate is scary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We can be done. I just wanted to touch on the parents because they weren't a part of the jealousy plot, but they were an interesting part of this episode. So do you want to move into questions and observations? Which I feel like might be fast today. I feel like. Yeah. Well, because we did both the jealousy and the parents, I think I've gotten through a lot of what you have to say. Yeah. Do you have any questions? Um, I mean, I already kind of brought up like, why is Danny Jackson's best friend? It's a real leap for Styles to know that Scott kissed Lydia. It's really there was It's a, a leap for Jackson to know. Yeah, it's there was definitely a better way for them to tell like for them to have telegraphed that to Styles and they don't if okay, like let's say if Styles had seen Scott afterwards and Styles knew because he just loves Lydia and like pays attention, knew what color lip gloss she was wearing the day and saw it on him. Yeah, that would have been totally viable. Yeah, but it, it just didn't work f- for me. No, like as a plot device. Um, and look, I understand that we're being real picky, but I think this is a pretty good Team Wolf episode, to be honest. No, yeah, I'm fun. Yeah. Um. That was kind of a question, kind of an observation. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my other observation is this is kind of, like, the first time... Obviously, all of Scott's um, senses are heightened, but he mentions, like, when he has to leave the room because everyone's taking a test, that he could, like, feel everyone's emotions. And, you know, we learn later on that werewolves have the ability to, like, take other people's pain. So mm-hmm. it's a re- it's an interesting, like, building on the mythology. Um, we also learn that they can read chemo signals. Yes. Um, and Scott... Scott is already a very emotionally intelligent person, so it's neat that that new skill plays into something that he's already good at. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, not to talk about Twilight again, but how all of the Twilight vampires bring parts of their personality into vampirehood, which is why Edward can read mm-hmm. people's minds, and J- Jasper can control emotions. Like, yeah. Jasper was somebody who was very manipulative and even even keeled in his like life, so he could control manipulate people or whatever. Jasper scares me the most out of all of them. Jasper is for sure the scariest. Yeah. Also, he was a Southern general <laughs> in the Civil War, so he's a big fat racist. <laughs> there are many aspects. And they kind of like romanticize him being Southern in those movies, and I'm and like, like, oh god. His hair is also very bad. It is. I not to shit on Jackson Rathbone because I'm sure he's a normal person. <laughs> yeah, but and also you know, great bone structure. Oh, beautiful. Bad hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
No, that is a really interesting one. Also, that scene reminded me of, uh, not to talk about Juno again, but... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that might just be a theme of the episode. But in Juno, when she is um, sitting in the abortion clinic, she can Mm -hmm. hear everybody's fingernails. Yeah, because she just had that conversation. Because Chan just tells her the babies have fingernails, and it ends up making her have to leave because she panics. Um, Yeah. Which is interesting because that shows you that that's not just inherently a, a, a werewolf thing. It's a human thing, which is important, I think. Yeah, when you go into sensory overload. Yes, me, always. <laughs> All the time. Um, do you have any other questions? Observations? No, I think we've been pretty thorough, actually. I know. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Let's see what I had. Uh, oh, yeah, my big question is, why does Scott tell Styles that Lydia's into him? Why does he, why does he oh. just be like, oh, she didn't say, I couldn't get out of, out of her or whatever? Like, what... Is that is that just cra- full moon crazy pants or is that like does he have a motive? Does he just want Styles off his back? What's the moves? What's the plan? Tyler Posey got to have a lot of fun just being a goddamn psychopath in this episode, and I just don't I don't think that there's any motive to it unless he's trying to like make Styles go up and talk to her, thus finding out that they had made out. Like, does Scott want Styles to know? I. Mm, I don't know. I don't... That's a great question, but, like, I really... I cannot figure out what the motivation is there for him. Because it's not, like... It's not like all of his full moon crazy follows a logical progression. No. I mean, I also feel like a lot of his full moon crazy, like, do mostly to the writing, but also some of the just kind of choices made had similar kind of commenting aspects on his, in, like, you know... Um, in, like is insanity. Mm-hmm. It all it's it felt kind of one note to which I was, which is why I was like, I don't understand the nuances of the choice you're making. Yeah, I I think it was a tough episode for Scott. Yeah, slash Tyler Posey. Because I mean, especially when you lose so much of Scott's kind of goodness and charm. That's what's so that's what's so compelling about him is how is his goodness. And, yeah, and like how pure he is. Which is interesting because usually you're like, oh, you're such a Mary Sue or whatever, but like, that's what makes Scott. But isn't that why you originally person. like are impressed with like Captain America and yeah. Spider Man? Yeah. Are two characters who are just Scott in the Marvel universe? Maybe I'll think of a DC character later. <laughs> I I got nothing. No, he's not Superman. Superman's an alien. No, that's uh, that's Tyler Hecklin. Tyler Hecklin. Superman, that's right. Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we know his butt looks good. That one picture. He's like Sidney Crosby back there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sidney Crosby. I hate the penguins. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) my only observation um, was when Scott is shifting while changed to the radiator, which, by the way, the fact that he basically, like, is, like, tearing into his wrists with the, um... Handcuffs. The handcuffs is almost a weird callback to uh, Chris saying that a dog will break its own neck, a rabbit dog will break its own neck by rearing back in its cage when he goes crazy. Oh, I'm sure that that's intentional. Oh, so good. Yeah. So that was one of my observations. Um, and then the other is also about that scene where the the clouds clear in front of the moon before he shifts, which is like, if you have ever watched any werewolf media, you're like, ah, yes. Yes. And, and like almost exactly the way it happens in... Um, Prisoner of Azkaban. Damoon. Yes. That's true, yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Harry Potter this episode, too. There's a lot of parallels. I think it's... I think the moon shifting is very interesting because it... Like, the mere fact that it is a full moon is affecting Scott, but then, like, when the actual rays of moonlight hit him, that is, like, the catalyst. Mm-hmm. Um, and that figures prominently in sec- the second season when they're, like, in the Thunderdome and um, they haven't been exposed to moonlight and that's like made them go crazy. So, the season three. Yeah, whenever that's yeah yeah the those, thunder yeah. Dome. in the bank yeah <laughs> it is werewolf thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, season three when Deucalion deprives them of moonlight. I just think that that's a really interesting like tidbit. Yeah, to the lore. It is. Yeah, big fan. Shall we do pack stats? Pack stats. Um. We were actually discussing the fact that the pack sets have been kind of boring thus far, but we, it really, like, picks up once there are more werewolves, first of all, and, like, people kind of know what to do with their powers, because um, this episode we had three instances of glow eyes that I counted. 
Um, and one was like Scott intentionally glowing his eyes at someone, mm-hmm. um, which is I think kind of the first time that that's sexy happened. Yeah, um, we had two claws. One uh, when Scott, you know, gets confronted by Derek and is like, "Oh my God, what have I become?" Um, and then Jackson finds. Oh my God, we didn't talk about the fact that Jackson finds the claw, the claw, right. and is like, "Hmm." What Jackson, does this Jackson, mean? Jackson puts some pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. Because Jackson may not be like. He's not Lydia smart, but he's not an idiot. He is, but not in the ways where, like. Like, Jackson can put these things together because he's not. Like, Jackson is dumb, but not stupid. Yes, exactly. Which is actually kind of maybe how we should start describing Scott, who's dumb, but not stupid. Yeah. Scott's very smart in certain ways. So is Jackson, though. But Jackson is also, like, the same person who, like, can't figure out how to talk to people in a way that is normal. The dumbest boy in school. Which is, like, how (laughs) he gets popular. He talks to everyone so weirdly. I think it's the cheekbones and also the Porsche. Those cheekbones. I mean, damn. Both hands. Yeah. What a beauty. Um, there was one shirtless moment when Scott's in the shower. So it was not like a sexy one, it was just sad. <laughs> it was really sad. Um, and then we have two ads, car ads. The Macy's ads will start airing soon, but for now we've got Chris's Chevy Tahoe. And not only does Jackson like drive a Porsche. He also drives a Ford Flex. Yeah, which is a great car. Um, Maybe his mom was like, Jackson, I need the Porsche today. He had to be like, I don't want to drive a mom car. <laughs> got it anyway. Yeah. Now that we ever learn anything about Jackson's parents, which I actually think is a downfall because I think we would care more about Jackson if we knew more about his upbringing. That isn't just, he's adopted and sad about it. Yeah, especially in the first episode. Because we, oh my god, the first season. Okay, it was like the first episode, he's like, kind of. Yeah, no, no, I meant the first season. Because we find out more in the second season. But by then it's too late. You already have your opinions formed of him. Yeah. Um, those are my pack stats. Cool. Do you have an alpha of the week? I sure do. His name is Derek Hale. Tell us about him. Because <laughs> we haven't talked about him yet, so go ahead. Yeah, Derek doesn't. Derek makes an incredibly brief entrance um, in this episode and actually really um, catalyzes what is going to happen next in the, uh, the rest of this season. Um, but Scott basically breaks out of his shackles and finds Allison and Jackson in the parking lot. Shackles. And- it was a pair of handcuffs and there was only one. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just trying to be dramatic. Um... Anyway, his like he, his werewolf hallucination. <laughs> it's fucking red. red. Um, everyone watched Project Runway, but anyway, um, Scott's been having like some werewolfy hallucinations the entire episode, um, and like imagines Allison and Jackson making out, and he's about to like go put a stop to it when Derek, as you put it, just yeets him <laughs> to the floor. Chucks him. It's like the full yeet vine. Yeah. Also, I do want to make one more reference to Harry Potter. You know when um, Ron opens the Horcrux? Oh, and he sees like Harry the and Hermione kissing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's Same-ish. a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, Derek saves Scott from hurting someone that he loves and or exposing himself. Yeah. And outing himself, essentially. Yeah. Um, to the two people currently who would be most dangerous to out himself to. Absolutely. And he and he knows that. And I, here's the thing. We've talked about how Derek loves Scott. And I think Derek sees a lot of himself in Scott. And while he does use that moment as a way to manipulate Scott into helping him take down the Alpha, I do think that part of it was just like out of the goodness of his heart to protect Scott from Allison telling her dad. Yeah. And her dad coming after him. And like protecting Scott from... From killing the woman that he loves, which is something that Derek has had to live with for years. So, Derek is my alpha of the week. Oh, yeah. I, like, yeah. <laughs> got that part of Derek's plot point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think that, like, Tyler Hecklin knows that at this point, because I don't think that they plotted Derek out at all. But No, yeah. There's a lot of moments where we're like, were they thinking... What was my thing about Allison, where I was like, were they thinking about this? Um... Was it her mom dying? Yeah. But I don't remember what I had thoughts about. I don't remember either. All right. Well, if I think about it, I don't know. I'll tweet it. I probably won't, but maybe. Who, who's your off of the week, Christian? Styles. I, that's the other so obvious choice. So many things are going to break down to, like, the two obvious choices being Styles and Derek and me picking Styles and you picking Derek. It's really on brand for it's us. It's our taste in men. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> 
That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Styles just does the good work in this episode. It's really, it's really emotionally hard for him to choose Scott, I think. Mm-hmm. And he does, obviously, in, like, a vindictive way. But if someone wrongs you, I mean, like, it's not, you know, unforgivable to want to hurt them back. You know, that's a very human thing. Yeah. Um, but he does, he gets back at Scott in a way that is still going to help him. His, every scene with his dad is just heartbreaking, especially when he sees the body being pulled out of the woods mm-hmm. and he thinks it's his dad. It's just, you can see the panic in his eyes. It's so much. Um, yeah, I just think that Styles has so much love in his heart and doesn't get it very reciprocated in this episode because even his dad kind of blows him off and he is kind of a little bit in the background just fighting a good fight, and I love him. And Dylan O'Brien, again, is the Teen Wolf King. Like, he really, like, so much of the emotional weight of the show comes on his shoulders, just in acting alone, um, but also just his plot lines as kind of the support character. Like, unfortunately, Styles is the sidekick, Mm quote-unquote, and that means that there's, like, a lot of cleanup that he has to do, and I think it's, it's really compelling. I think and I hope the writers recognized his talent and realized he could take on that emotional burden yeah. that Styles bears. I almost think that that's how season three came to be. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, because season three is just like, watch Dylan O'Brien be a star for 12 episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we love him. Chef's kiss. Mwah. Mwah. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please give us a review on iTunes. We somehow didn't manage to sneak that in at any point in oh, this episode. Wow, we're really slashing reviews on iTunes. Reviews on iTunes. Um, uh, tell your friends. Tweet at us. We'd love to hear you guys. If you ever have questions or observations about episodes or future episodes, please let us know because we'd love to share them. We are. We know we miss things. We know we miss things. And we know you guys disagree with us and we like want to hear your comments. Um... No, we do appreciate when you guys tweeted us. If you want to tweet at us, follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf. Um, and that's also our Instagram handle. Yes, it is. You can follow us at Tumblr at TeenWolfReWolf. I post there sometimes. I can't think about Tumblr at my advanced age of 23. <laughs> but I'll be there, I promise. Um, if you can follow our personal Twitters and Instagrams from all of those bios... And, I don't did I have anything else? Um, we'll be coming at you with uh, one last bonus app. Yes, one last Halloween-y bonus app. It's going to be coming out um, before Halloween, I promise. We are going to review Practical Magic, which is uh, one of my favorite Halloween movies. Julia has other thoughts, but I can't wait to talk about it. I really enjoyed it. I know. I just have questions. I know. Yeah. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I have one last thing. Thoughts on shorthanding our podcast to the T-Dub Redub. I don't hate it. You don't hate it? No. Should that be the post-up poll? Yes, because then I don't have to think about it at work and ultimately have you come up with the post-episode <laughs> poll even though you asked me to think I've come up with every single one of them. I know. I'm just going to have to like come up. I'm just going to carry around like an idea notebook for all of the post-up polls. Anyway. Okay. Are all we right. done? Are you done? I'm, I'm done. All right. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.